Welcome to the discussion. We are the Gallimaufry Gals Book Club. What is a Gallimaufry, you ask? It's a confused jumble or medley of things. So you kind of have a good idea what we're what we're all about here. <laughs> um, we are a Gallimaufry of Gals. We're three sisters and our mom reading and discussing books that we've kind of evolved the idea of what kind of books we want to read. Um, so we kind of broadened the spectrum to simply just books that we want to talk about. <laughs> so sometimes that means we'll be reading books that are in our genre wheelhouse, but sometimes that means that we will be reading books that are outside our comfort zones. And we've chosen the, the, to open the door to our book chats in hopes to inspire you guys to read, even if, or particularly if uh, the book might be outside your own comfort zone. So we're glad you're here and we hope you enjoy our little discussion. We are your hosts. I'm Melissa. We have Angie, Miranda, and our mom, Tess. All right. Well, hi, I'm Angie. Um, I live in the DFW area, which is Dallas, Texas. Um, what am I drinking today? In the spirit of the book, I'm drinking black coffee. Nice. Though it is fresh and not old <laughs> or with moldy clotted cream. <laughs> I would be worried if it did. Yes. <laughs> I really wanted to get yes. into it, you know, really. Yeah, feel, the feel clotted like cream. <laughs> and Miranda. Don't forget your random question. Oh, that's true. We could do that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So random question of the, of the book. Uh, which has nothing to do with the book. It's just our random question. <laughs> Why I'm explaining that. You guys all know that already. <laughs> so today's is an easy one. Pancakes or waffles? Which do you prefer? Me, waffles. Nice. I mean, I feel like there's a time and a place for pancakes. Sometimes <laughs> fluffiness. But for the most part, I like that, that crispy outer edges of the waffle and then the little compartments to hold melted butter and syrup. How about you guys? <laughs> well, I'm Miranda. Um, I'm drinking some tea. I didn't have any coffee. I ran out because I was also going to drink coffee, but tea will have to do today. Um, and I also prefer waffles, though waffles and pancakes are exactly the same thing, except waffles are crispy. <laughs> So really, I like either, but waffles I like a little bit more because they do have little pockets to hold the syrup. I don't put butter on mine, but syrup. Nice. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I am Mel or Melissa, um, coming from Northwoods, Wisconsin. Um, and I am drinking, I'm drinking coffee with a little bit of um, Rakura, which is like cheap rum chata. Um, Non-clotted cream. <laughs> clotted cream <laughs> clotted <laughs> alcoholic cream um but i might be switching off if i finish this too um so there've been there's a new brand of coca-cola where they're infusing coffee it, so i have a caramel coffee coca-cola in the fridge that i haven't tried yet so i was gonna go for that but i just wasn't really feeling like soda quite yet so <laughs> And random question, I, I, this one is kind of hard. I don't know. I, I do kind of like waffles. I like the texture part of it, but 
I do like a good pancake. So, and I usually have pancakes because they're easier to make. So just because of the, the ease factor, I'll choose pancakes. <laughs> mom? So I'm mom, I guess. Um, I'm drinking Diet Coke. Surprise, surprise. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they don't have that diet major melon Mountain Dew up here yet that I can. Oh, have. no. We have oh, yeah. the regular, but I really have to stay away from that sugar. So um, it has so, too much sugar in it. Almost soda is, hence the mm -hmm. Diet Coke. But <laughs> yeah, so I should belong to the Diet Coke, the mom's murder book club that drinks Diet Coke. So <laughs> the moms that drink Diet Coke and belong to murder mystery book clubs. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, so pancakes or waffles? I was going to say it all depends. Am I making them and then eating them? Um, or is someone else making them for me? Either way, if someone else is making them for me, I will take either. Um, if I have to make them, I'll probably do pancakes because I think making waffles is cutsy and harder <laughs> to clean up. Um, but I do prefer waffles because of the crispiness on the outside and little pockets for the butter and syrup to <laughs> mix together in there. So awesome. Cool. And so introducing the book today is Angie. Sure. So we read Ubik uh, by Philip K. Dick. And here's the back of the book. Oh, Glenn Rensiter runs a lucrative business deploying his teams of anti-psychics to corporate clients who want privacy and security from psychic spies. But when he and his top team are ambushed by a rival, he is gravely injured and placed in Half-Life, a dreamlike state of suspended animation. Soon, though, the surviving members of the team begin experiencing some strange phenomena, such as Rensiter's appearing on coins and the world seeming to move backwards in time. As consumables deteriorate and technology gets even more primitive, the group needs to find out what is causing the shifts and what a mysterious product called Ubik can do with it all. And I chose this book. Uh, I kind of found it, I can't even remember, I found it by accident. I was looking up, um, I don't know, science fiction books or time travel books or something. I can't even remember now, but it led me it led me on a path to Philip K. Dick, and I was like, why does that name sound familiar? I, I wish I could remember why I got there. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that name sounds familiar. What did he write? And saw that he wrote uh, Man in the High Castle, which I've seen the Amazon series and really liked that. And so I was like, what did he write? And what are they about? And I thought this one seemed intriguing. And it was written in 1969. And I was like, I wonder, I just kind of want to know what like a I don't know, like a future sci-fi time travel book looks like written from someone in 1969. Mm -hmm. And this is also one of Time's 100 best English language novels. And so I thought, well, we'll see if it, it's got to be interesting, at least. It's got to be pretty good. So awesome. Yeah, I picked the book. Awesome. And so we can kind of go over our overall impressions of the book um starting with Angie yeah so overall I was not disappointed um I I felt like the book was 
entertaining and intelligently written. There were a lot of terms that were like made up, but like came together. At first, it was a little like confusing to figure out what the heck they were talking about, but um, yeah, that got resolved. But overall, it was, yeah, intriguing and plot twisty sort of. And it was one of those books where I started reading it and I didn't want to put it down. And it was a pretty fast read. It's not a very long book, but uh, yeah, it was, I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. You finished you guys. very quickly. I did. And I read through, like I skimmed the whole thing again today. And Carl's like, did you read that book again today? <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, I've already read it. So I can kind of like pick through the parts that yeah. I like to read and stuff. But yeah, this is probably, probably one of my favorite books in a oh, while. That is awesome. Yeah. Miranda. Yeah, I was also really surprised by how much I liked it. It was very weird, especially in the beginning where it was using a bunch of terms like you didn't necessarily know when you're getting used to the language. But like for how short of a book it was, there was a lot going on in it. And I was just like surprised by that because like it it moved along really at like a good pace. And like I thought it was a really good book. I really enjoyed it. Awesome. Yeah, and I... um. I actually really enjoyed it too. I, I say actually because I'm not really typically a sci-fi reader, so um, didn't really know what to expect. Um, but I guess my overall impression is that it it really reminded me of a Twilight Zone kind of episode. And I do say episode because, yeah. I mean, it really could have been, it felt like, it, you know, it could have been in like an episode. Like it wasn't a very long book like like Angie said um and it just it it did flow very nicely and it was very like it had a nice um it was encapsulated nicely I guess um and it has made me think and it's still making me think so I I think that's a good good thing when a book does that <laughs> yeah for sure you know, mom yeah no I liked it I'm I like science fiction so it wasn't a new genre to me, but it's not something that I read a lot lately. Um, like I said, I'm more into murder mysteries and <laughs> thrillers like that. But um, no, I liked it. It did flow fast. Um, it had some surprises for me, which I really enjoyed because most books I can figure out where they're going. And this one really did surprise me. And I also was reading it today. I only got to 77% of it. I'm reading it on Kindle. So that was a little different for me because I'm used to having a hard copy book. But I really enjoyed it. And yeah, and actually when I finished it, it made me want to go back and go, okay, what did I miss in the beginning? Are there clues to this? <laughs> and so yeah, That's no, actually, I, since I never made I just, it all the way to the end, I, it's it was the same for me I mean I even though I knew what the ending was going to be I didn't really pick up I still had the same questions when I came to the end yeah me too yeah it felt good to like read it again but I was like wow like I still didn't see that coming like, right, like <laughs> and, and what did you you know and, and I have like two trains of thoughts on what the whys of the ending so and it did not yeah. clarify one reason exactly. or the other for me no. 
Yeah. And for me, I did find value in skimming over it again. Um, it helped me to realize that there actually kind of were two mysteries involved, I guess. Um, there's like the mystery of like who killed who killed the, the psychics and why kind of I, I mean I mean there's kind of that aspect but then like we're led to believe that they're in half-life for most of the book and then there's the mystery of who is killing them off in half-life <laughs> so it's like <laughs> that took me like skimming it over the second time helped me to 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 formalize that like to solidify what was the two things or maybe there were more than two things are, going on <laughs> for me i had more questions than that when i got that's, to the end <laughs> that's good yeah yeah um yeah. so yeah so i guess i thought it would be kind of cool to start reading just the first line of the book um stealing that from ladies who genre um another book club um, podcast that i i enjoy listening to so <laughs> if you don't mind pulling that up and reading um like the first first well, actually, let's, let's go with the non-ad <laughs> okay <laughs> so the beginning of each chapter is like a different ubic ad which will mm -hmm. yeah okay so at 3 30 a.m on the night of june 5th 1992 the top telepath in the soul system fell off the map in the offices of Runciter associates in new york city that started vid phones ringing the Runsitter organization had lost track of too many of Hollis's size. See, mm -hmm. size. in the last two months, this added dis this added disappearance wouldn't do. So it's psis, like like a psychic, like a psychic. So that mm -hmm. sounds weird. Okay. To say. I know it does. Like you see, yeah. like a psychic sees. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so that was like the first little paragraph there. A couple sentences. Yeah. Um, so I'm, there's kind of a lot of ways to kind of organize this because, I mean, we have world building, we have characters, <laughs> we have chapters, and um, I figured maybe we could just, just throw out some term terminology that is, that threw me off right away, right off the bat. And um, some of those are um, half-lifer, inertial slash precogs. I mean, precog, we it's pretty easy to know what that means, but inertial was was kind of like synonymous with precogs. And then we have the size and the anti-size. Um, and postcred is like their money that that they that they use in this world. Um, you didn't explain what a half lifer is, but that's someone who is dead but not dead. They're put into a cold, I don't know, cold pack. Is that what it was called? That's what they called yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. So it's at a, a moratorium or uh, I don't know what else we would call it. Basically, but... it's a morgue, but like yeah. they keep people Half like alive. their brain waves still kind of alive so they can like bring people consciousness consciousness back to the forefront so they can like talk to people. Mm -hmm. Right. Through microphone and headsets, but mm -hmm. not actually see their lips moving. So it's more right. of a mental connection and they're considered in half-life and that only lasts for a certain amount of time which I don't know how they determine how long that time is I don't know if they ever really went into that yeah I really said how they determine it they they sort of had it determined and like on the label outside the, the 
the casket. Right. But yeah. So I didn't know if it mattered about money, what condition they were when they physically passed, um, how old they were. I think they mentioned that, that if you were younger, you had a stronger presence. Right. Yeah. So I guess, oh, sorry. Yeah. Nope. Go ahead. (laughs) No, I was just going to say, um, we, we can jump more into that. Um, I guess like to kind of start things off. Oh, sorry. My dog is here now. (laughs) She's She's Um, transferred from one zoo. Yes. (laughs) Um, So this book kind of starts off with this guy who a very, very important um, psychic, apparently he's been killed. And so there's a, it's, it's called a prudence organization, which is an organization that helps people to protect themselves against psychics, I guess, um, who are trying to, I don't know, they can infiltrate people's minds, I guess. Um, so he's died and this is a really big deal. Um, and the, the- We don't know that he's died, he has disappeared. Well, he's, he's disappeared. Um, and but so the- not on earth. The head, the leader of the organization is trying, he thinks he knows who's behind this disappearance and so um, he is trying to get a group of anti-size together. No. Okay. You you kick us off. I got a whiny dog and... <laughs> so that guy disappears. And then there's another person brought into the novel that she has a special kind of power that allows her kind of go back and change the past and so then which is kind of a dangerous thing but anyway so then Runciner gets a contract to go to Luna with and he is taking 11 of his people with our which are anti-size before that happens though he meets with his wife yes he does so we can talk about the moratorium a little more um because basically this this disappearance has led the leader of the organization to he doesn't know what to do yeah yeah so he wants to consult with his wife who is in cold pack so she's in a half life so this is kind of how the book begins is the leader of the organization glenn runciter he's going to um, switzerland to meet with his wife and talk to her (laughs) so Yeah, so I mean, just there's lots of world building in this book. Um, And I guess we can kind of start off with, we'll go back to some of those other things that we have listed, Mm -hmm. but um, the moratorium. So yeah, it's, what are your guys' thoughts? (laughs) What are you thinking about this moratorium? (laughs) And I like a funeral home. You go there and have a visitation with your dead loved one. when you need to. <laughs> it's also what resurrection day where it's like one day a year. Typically people go and like wake them up and talk to them and Yeah, I thought it was kind of weird that there's like one specific day that they like that so like does that mean like the people that are like poor are like able to have that one day where they can like go in or are they you allowed to visit whenever or like does it matter like if you're paying for more like do you get to visit more or yeah, like so in the 
I guess in the book it mentions, um, it says, obviously he had shown up to holiday greet a relative. Um, this is a different guy who was also at the moratorium. It says mm-hmm. resurrection day, the holiday on which the half-lifers were publicly honored lay just around the corner. The rush would soon be beginning. So I'm not sure it's, I mean, they can, a person can visit and kind of, they can talk to their loved one whenever. I think Resurrection Day was, is just the day that they're publicly honored. Kind of more like a Day of the Dead. Yeah. Yeah. A day, but like you actually get to speak to the dead. Right. Yes. (laughs) Like for real. (laughs) Maybe, maybe you got a paid day off of work. Right. Because it's a holiday. So you're yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like the more like towards the end of the book, like it made me question more what Half-Life actually was, because there was a lot of stuff going on that it could have been seen as one way or another. It could have been considered like an extra like purgatory between being like before you're like resurrected again or something because they made a lot of mention in there about going towards like the red light was bad mm-hmm. you were mm-hmm. gonna be like born before you were supposed to or something like that yeah. or it was like a, a bad womb yeah, yeah a bad womb yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. like so like it made me question like okay well then do that does that mean that they believe in like reincarnation or like, they mentioned yeah, the book of the Tibetan book of the dead in quite a few different places, and I'm not sure what practices. I, I think they believe in reincarnation. I mean, they must if they're like talking about being mm-hmm. born again. Born again, but like it just it seemed weird that it was like. I mean, if even if that's what they believe, like, does that actually happen, or is that like what they say? What they, yeah, like oh, you're going to. That's what that's what that means. But mm-hmm. I mean, do they? how would they they know for sure like it seems kind of weird but yeah i don't know i just yeah it's an interesting question and yeah i guess the question of do they all experience it i think it's kind of it seems like yes at least to some extent but me i don't know yeah mentioned that like being buried was like barbaric so it seems like maybe everyone mm-hmm. is put in cold storage but like this was i think sort of a fancier place yeah mm-hmm. money went to this particular one whereas like the one mentioned in i'm trying to think if des moines was actually a cold storage or if that was more of like an actual i think that was more of an actual burial but that was burial. happening in the in the life of the people who are already in half-life so right, right. So. <laughs> might not be <laughs> But I don't know. That was my impression that like everybody, everybody went somewhere, but like Brunsetter's wife was in Zurich because in Switzerland, they like came up with the technology and it was supposed to be like the best place to go in the world. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but I don't know. Yeah. So and they met, they mentioned other ones, other places, like, is there a jewelry in every half-life? Like, yeah, sort of. So. Right. That was, um, and, and one thing they had said too was that they have them, I don't know if you call them caskets or whatever, wherever the cold pack storage bins <laughs> that the people are in are next to other people so that they don't get lonely. Yeah. yeah. Right. So that means that they must communicate with each other mm-hmm. 
on some mental layer level. Yeah, like a psychic, there's a psychic level that they're somehow all connected to. Right. And -hmm. because they are in close proximity to each other, Mm -hmm. that they can communicate, which makes sense when you get towards the end of the book. Right. And I actually... I see what you're asking. Like, is it a forced purgatory? Yeah. Or like you're putting someone there? Mm-hmm. Or would you go through something like that really quickly if you were just allowed to die as opposed mm-hmm. to having your life extended? Mm-hmm. So instead of going through it for 10 minutes, you go through it for 10 years. <laughs> or 40 or however long Ella right, was However long you can afford. <laughs> right. And this is kind of, this is a big, big part of the the story because most of this book happens in this supposed half-life and it's not really fully explained it's just kind of it is what it is he doesn't really explain how it works which is part of the mystery yeah Um, agreed (laughs) so like on page 204 it made me wonder if at least maybe this half-life that they were part of was controlled by jory or like it, it, that, I don't know, like it exists because of Jory, which I know sounds like really far-fetched, but um, it made me think. It's like he was world building in their house. Right. Like, right. Because it says on. <laughs> right. Well, said, it, yeah. I'm so it's to, like, because all yeah. these people are together, they would have some commonality, but because Jory's essence was so strong that he had more control over right but then yeah and like how did he do it and then it's like he needed to gain strength by like eating them yeah or sucking their energy away so, from them. yeah like like a energy how was he vampire? in there yeah like how was he in there like yeah yeah, it says in on page 207, it says, Dr. Taylor is a product of my mind, like every other fixture, fixture yes. in the pseudo world. And then Joe says, I don't believe it. You heard what he's been saying, didn't you? And with a hollow whistling pop, the doctor disappeared. See, Jory said, pleased. And yeah, so it just is very confusing to me. <laughs> like, that made me think, well, what the heck, maybe... Maybe that either all of Half-Life is because of this, this, maybe this Jory was a Swiss kid who had this psychic power and Half-Life exists because of him. Like it's in a new invention, so to speak. Like it's maybe his psychic oh. power. But they or... said somewhere in there that every place has a Jory of some kind. Oh, here on 218. So Ella Rumsetter is talking to Chip or to Joe Chip and said, Herbert is paid a great deal of money annually by Jory's family to keep him with the others and think up plausible reasons for doing so. So it's like, even though Jory is like butting in on other people's minds and then therefore conversations that they're trying to have with with loved ones and then just sort of like swallowing people up, it's like, it's almost as if his family knows it, but they want him to lose his vitality so they pay a lot of money so he can oh with everybody and then it says um and there are juries in every moratorium this battle goes on wherever you have half-lifers it's a very a rule of our kind of existence mm-hmm. yeah is it like 
I don't know, battle of the fittest, like that sort of everlasting need for survival. That's true. Someone's going to be a predator. <laughs> it's so weird, isn't it? I know. <laughs> And my question too is then, well, who, how do you get to be in charge of like creating the world? And like he mm-hmm. said, mentioned something about, I tried to keep it 1992, but I right. couldn't do it. So like, is there like a threshold of just like where he remembers so like he can make it that, but then how does he know what like 1992 looked like? Unless I guess maybe you can read that from their minds. That's true. But even still, that seems really weird that he was like, yeah, I couldn't maintain 1992. So like it reverted back to like the 1960s or something like that. Uh, 39 or 39. Yeah. Yeah. I went back further than that. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, that goes into like this whole other discussion on, you know, how, yeah. And if every moratorium has a jury, is that a built in, is it a real person or is it a computer? Is it built into each one? Yeah, it makes me wonder too, like if if every half life like actually like has like you're living in a world or if it's usually you're just asleep, like and you're just woken up whenever someone wants to talk to you. Like Oh yeah. Because Jory said that he was the one building the world. So does that mean that he was kind of keeping them awake so he had someone to talk to and like hang out? Oh interesting bully? Not to not to beat a dead horse, but um, Joe mentions on page eighty three about he. I think he said he thinks that the UN, the United Nations, should abolish half life um, because it it interferes with the natural process of the cycle of birth and death. Um, I don't know. What would you guys think if we had a half life option? Would you? Would you think it'd be pretty cool or do you think it it's weird and no i feel like it'd be kind of creepy and disorienting for the person that you're waking up yeah i mean like right are they constantly aware that they are in half-life and then like but time doesn't really pass and so they don't they're just kind of like chilling <laughs> literally <laughs> but, like oh my god <laughs> yeah but like, um, you know, can remember past conversations they've had with you. So when you wake them up, it's just sort of, it's like they're in a coma and you're like, right. how much time has passed? Oh, <laughs> right. 10 years. Oh, what about this? No, listen, I just want to talk to you about this one thing. And then, <laughs> like, it seems, well, she I seemed to have when, when Runciter was talking to his wife, she seemed to have a whole nother life going on in there. That's true. Yeah. And I thought, well, maybe to us, it looks like they're sleeping, but maybe to them, they're living their real life. Or like on the label on a bottle and it's like. Yes. Or on the men's bathroom wall. Yes. So it's it's just like. (laughs) I'm alive. Yeah. Like feels very. Yeah. Do all the interactions with the outside world feel that way to everybody? Yeah. That's a good Mm -hmm. one. Yeah, it was in the second time that I went through the book that this thought came to my mind that it almost seems like the living people coming into the half-life are kind of like the equivalent of ghosts interacting with us in a way. 
Mm-hmm. So it's like, because he, the author uses the term organic ghosts, which I thought was really interesting. I had to actually, like, I almost passed over it. And then I was like, well, maybe there's more to this than um, it says, um, thanks, Joe said to the spray can. We are served by organic ghosts, he thought, who speaking and writing pass through this, this our new environment. Watching wise physical ghosts from the full life world, elements of which have become for us invading, but agreeable splinters of a substance that pulsates like a former heart. All, and all of them, he thought, thanks to Glenn Runciter in particular, the writer of instructions, labels and notes, valuable notes. So I don't know, that, that kind of made me think, because I, also I was trying to figure out like how Ubik was getting into this half-life world. Right. And, and um, so maybe we can talk about, we can kind of um, talk about Ubik a little bit. <laughs> um, this is the title of the book, of course. And um, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> it's a substance <laughs> that depending on the year it is, takes on a different form, but the spray can is the most effective. And basically it allows things to stop deteriorating. So like one of the first examples of when Joe was having issues was like um, a cigarette. It just like fell apart in his hand. Yeah. So like this would make it so it wouldn't do that. Or like the coffee having curdled cream and mold, like <laughs> that wouldn't happen because of this ubic. Yes, exactly. The question is, is like, how does it, get there and, <laughs> and they kind of went over it a little bit in the later chapters a little bit she's been making it in the half-life yeah, yeah. So and that's really when it appears is like the end of the book like you don't even hear anything about it until and um, and every moratorium has someone that makes you do they though do they did they say I, that i, I don't know what they did i think it, Oh. It was like made inside the half life by people that are dead, right? But I, but the people in the Zurich half life don't visit with the people in the New York half. Oh, right. Or, or do they? Or do they? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> well, because she, because they said if they're close to each other, then they can interact with each other, right? And, uh, like he, um, Runs- Glenn Runciter was going to put his one put his wife in isolation, so that Jory couldn't interfere with their discussions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just so weird because like must be close proximity. They said something about there being like a ubic factory and like because yes. he summons <laughs> he summons someone from like yeah. the factory or something that oh, brings him a can. About- the Ella, wasn't it? Yeah. No, after no, no. he meets her. Yeah. yeah he gets he on her. like a bus or something. And he had previously, yeah. Like, didn't he say like he was like trying to use the will of his mind? Mm-hmm. Like back to 1992, like basically pushed through like Jory's veil. Mm-hmm. What seemed real in their perception of time. And he's like, push me through to 1992. <laughs> and, yeah, he like gets on the bus and this girl's there and she's like, oh, are you Joe Chip? Like, you've oh, summoned yeah. me and here's your Ubik and you have gotten a lifetime yeah. supply. <laughs> I 
just wish I knew more about it. I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know. And then the beginning of each chapter, it's yeah, like, let's go into that a, a different, like, it's so random. Like, yeah, random is very accurate. Do you <laughs> need like, a beer? Different <laughs> things it is. It's like, friends, this is cleanup time and we're discounting all our silent electric ubics by this much money. Yes, we're throwing away the blue book. And remember, every ubic on our lot has been only used as directed. They always mention that, yeah. always used as directed. Taken as directed, Ubik provides uninterrupted sleep without morning after grogginess. You awaken fresh, ready to tackle all those little annoying problems facing you. Do not exceed recommended dosage. <laughs> and for one, I don't remember Joe ever using it in any other way, like any other dose or any other way. No. You just spray the can and... And secondly, like none of these ads seem to do, seem to connect with making things better, better, or like, yeah. It, yeah. it seems like a product rather than, than like, um, re, like keeping things from deteriorating. A solution. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like the product that is the ads don't even match up with what it is in the story, it seems like. Honestly, that's right. one of the reasons why I was kind of, I kind of was annoyed. I kind of just started skipping <laughs> over them. I did too. Like, I kind of yeah. looked at them like, okay, like for the first, like, I don't know, like probably half the chapters I write them and I'm like, okay. And then I'm just like, I don't understand the point of this at all. Like, I get kind of like the earlier ones. They had like, um, like when it turned into like a lip balm or something like mm -hmm. that. Like, I don't know. It just seemed very, I don't know, strange. And like, it made me wonder if I was missing something. For sure. Yeah. I mean, right. The only connection I really saw was like them talking about like Ubic being like synonymous with ubiquity, which is like. Right. It's everywhere. So it's everything. It's everywhere. Hmm. Yeah. So, is this coffee ubic? Is this cup ubic? Yes. <laughs> is this shirt ubic? <laughs> like, right. is this computer ubic? I don't like. <laughs> no, it's Diet Coke. <laughs> That's Use as directed. <laughs> Use it as directed. Take, That's... take appropriate dosage. Right. <laughs> you can Use spray it in the air if you add Mentos and it'll spray. <laughs> For me, I, I thought the ads were kind of like, saying it can take care of any problem no matter what you have or what you mm -hmm. want to accomplish this is the miracle product Pure. that will do it yeah as long as you use as directed right. what are the directions what are Spray. the directions <laughs> exactly <laughs> and this that's another thing is they never show what the directions well are. they did um like the one that was before he took the plane and it said like half a teaspoon in a glass of water or something Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And then he read the ingredients is basically poison. Right. right. And he's like, do yeah. I take this? Or, you know. <laughs> and the pilot was like, Oh yeah, there's real gold flakes in here after yeah. <laughs> so you know, he gave it to him as his money to get to Des Moines. <laughs> and and is it was it that way because that's what the pilot wanted it to be? And was he really a half lifer or was he just an imagination person occupying space? because Jory put him in there and he wanted to get the Ubik away from Joe. Oh, maybe. 
That is a good question, though. Like, if if Jory has control over this world, why does he even have a pharmacy there? <laughs> right? Like, why is he even going through the trouble? Well, and, and I also... That's where the ingredients are. Like, why doesn't he just get rid of where the ingredients are? Unless Ella is close to... Ella can somehow get to a different plane, psychic plane that Jory doesn't have access to, and then she brings it back in. I was gonna say, we're assuming that Jory told the truth and that he is the one keeping this world this is and true. making this world. Oh, that's true. <laughs> he did make the doctor disappear though. True, but he may have brought that doctor in. That's true. Could potentially do small, small things, but not necessarily as much big things as he was saying that he could that's true i never really thought about that but that make would make a lot of sense too but then why would 1992 disappear and revert backwards that's a good question or is that just part of the the disintegrating disintegration of like the time well and and is that because all the half-lifers are slowly disintegrating and so time disintegrates i thought maybe ella said something somewhere like it, it does happen everybody or glenn said it Glenn's? Yeah, someone said that it happens everywhere, but then someone said that it doesn't happen like this, but they weren't really sure about um, that. Like, yeah, I, I wish mean, I had the page because there there was something about that. Like it does happen, but then they were talking about whether or not it actually happens in the manner that it's happening in this book where people get really tired and cold and then they basically become like ash, like fall apart. and Yeah mummify so, themselves yeah yeah level up. um yeah because and i thought well maybe he has some control but then you know like who are the other people that are in that world i'll just call it world or realm mm-hmm. you know does are there other worlds in that same moratorium like you said where ella does she go off onto a different plane when she's not there and she lives in the world where the factory is made. It's still a half-life world. And do you know another weird thing? <laughs> <laughs> this book? <laughs> the way our minds work? So, I don't know. <laughs> apparently the people in half-life can dream too. Because um, Ella herself, she says that sometimes she dreams that she's... One of the things she says is that she dreams... Oh, yeah. Um it's so weird. I think I've been dreaming all this time since you last talked to me. Is it really two years? This is Ella Mm -hmm. talking to Glenn. She says, do you know what I think? I think that other people who are around me, we seem to be progressively growing together. A lot of my dreams aren't about Mm. me at all. Sometimes I'm a man. Sometimes I'm a little boy. Sometimes I'm a old fat woman with varicose veins and then places I've never seen doing things that make no sense. Mm-hmm. so it's like well where does that fall into place <laughs> right too? or is that like the same kind of deal of where like most of this book takes place it's like a, a dream. dream but Within it's their life yeah like the half- maybe that's like their consciousness sort of thing. true and because they're close enough together and like the way jory jumps into her consciousness when she's talking to glenn maybe they all do that to each other in a way and you know i i don't know 
maybe we're half life now jumping around in one consciousness <laughs> and that's why our dreams are so weird and sometimes we're people we aren't doing things that no we normally wouldn't do <laughs> that's true <laughs> maybe dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun. welcome to the twilight zone Yes. Totally Are you really voice. my family? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're too similar, yes. <laughs> or maybe we're all the same person with and we're all living different half-lives. <laughs> Half-life universes. <laughs> I know, I'm weird. <laughs> so one of the other weird things is like just their world that they even come from. Yes. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about this back up again. Let's Yes, that's <laughs> like, a great segue. <laughs> like the fact that you have to pay for everything, like yes. five cents to open the door, a quarter to use the shower, you know, you gotta pay to open your fridge. Like yeah. you need coins for maker. everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like everything. Right. Five cents here, ten cents there. Like what? <laughs> so this book takes place in 1992 which was apparently which was the future back when this was written which is kind of funny um it was 23 years in the future when it was written which for us is 29 years ago <laughs> which is pretty funny but, um it is it is pretty funny how yeah and melissa makes all of us feel old yes yes <laughs> i'm only two and a half years younger than you <laughs> you were born in the future melissa i was born in the future Work. what can i say you were born in the future <laughs> back to the future <laughs> also everyone is smoking and drinking coffee yes and um, so yeah, I'm actually, I'm wearing my a camel t-shirt today. I noticed you you're wearing that. Yeah. <laughs> I'd wear that, but. Rare vintage Joe Camel. You know that Joe Camel? Yeah. Yeah, the cartoon yeah. camel on there. Yeah. yeah. You can't get that anywhere. That's illegal to, to make. Yeah. It's illegal to make? Yep. Oh, it's so cartoon like marketing, <laughs> marketing uh, cartoons with cigarettes to children. Yes. Yep. That's well, why they took it off all their marketing. Probably worth like a hundred bucks then. Probably. And I'm getting my sweat stains on it. <laughs> <laughs> Wear it and be proud. Wear it. <laughs> or try and sell it quickly. Right. Sweat stains included. Someone might be into yeah. that. <laughs> that would be scary. Uh, no uh, worries. <laughs> Use the fake address when you mail it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and then just to kind of continue the world building, um, trying aspect, to aspect yeah. of this whole thing. Um, yeah, they call Earth Terra. They have the moon, which is there's like a base. Like there's people who are on the moon, and they call it Luna. And we'll go into that a little bit. Um, and they have like amphetamines and like amphetamine dispensers, mm -hmm. which is just normal. Yeah. It's like, oh, tranquilizer I, I, gum yeah. and tranquilizer oh. gum. Like, it's not a big deal. Like, you just take what you need in the moment. <laughs> well, and then that's not necessarily true because Joe said that he had used up all he could for the month. And he had oh. to wait until next Tuesday or a couple days before he could get I more. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah it's like yeah. everyone's sort of on like a food ration mm -hmm. yeah amp system where like you can kind of get what you want but you have to use them wisely like he used his last right. rations on some like super fancy coffee 
Right. Now he can't eat and he doesn't have any like change for the door. Right. <laughs> yeah. So that was one of the points that I was talking about um, or I had brought up in my one of my questions. Um, like, why does he never have change? Like, it, it's like, <laughs> I mean, this world literally asks for change to open your freaking fridge and he doesn't have a five, he doesn't have a nickel on him ever. Like, or a quarter. Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense. Well, they did say he has horrible, horrible credit and that he does not use his money wisely. <laughs> so he spends it on super expensive coffee instead of his rent. Um, like you why wouldn't you like door though like right like i'd have someone open my door and then i would put something in like in it like crack it open so like it doesn't shut and right then if you're not there someone could break in and take you well, I mean, yeah you close it it's, when you're gonna leave but when you're there like that way you have to pay less you know, to get out i don't right. think so all the doors seem they, everything that took money seemed to sort of have some kind of like ai so i'd probably yeah left open and like you're violating your contract yes <laughs> i'm right about I that i am going to sue you i've never been sued yeah. by a door before <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah because he was trying to take the the changes off or something <laughs> the door is like i'm gonna sue you look at your contract <laughs> yeah that was really weird it was really weird could you you know technically we do pay money to have our fridge and you know that's our electrical bill right yeah bill but we don't have to our, our mortgage so our transactional <laughs> question is though is like he was still paying rent too though so it wasn't True. like that was built into like the rent it was like in a addition separate. to right yeah like every time you open the fridge door you're losing energy and it needs to be marked every time you know yep. i guess you maybe get more purposeful about your actions like you wouldn't be aimlessly going to the fridge and opening it 20 times a day like i do yeah <gasps> like, wow, is this worth like here and shut it and, and come back five minutes later and do the same thing there's nothing in here i'm gonna close it and come back in five minutes something Some, maybe something will have changed exactly yeah. <laughs> what no one brought me cookies right <laughs> it's not a magic door <laughs> it should be for five cents and open no i think the refrigerator was 25 cents oh was or was that the shower i think that was the shower the shower oh. was 25 cents yeah that. It was kind of cool that he had like a, a newspaper machine in his apartment. Yeah. But also weird, you like paid a coin and it actually printed out on paper. Like it was yeah. sort of weird, like analogness of all the transactions and like the newspaper where it, I don't, I mean, I it guess it wasn't a screen. It, was it wasn't like digital, but I guess maybe, I don't know, when the book was written, maybe that wasn't feasible, but they had video phones. So why would. Right. Like, I know. digital newspapers or maybe that yeah. just seemed yeah it was, know, like, it was sort of a weird technology technologically advanced world with a lot of odd analog right <laughs> i mean 1992 i mean that's that's pretty accurate <laughs> well, maybe <laughs> yeah i guess if you think about it it really <laughs> I did think it was cool that you got to kind of you could choose whatever like news thing you wanted to actually like read about and then it would print it off for you right oh yeah that's, that's funny like that's early internet like, 
I didn't ask yeah. for this gossip piece. I wanted blah, blah, blah. I can't I wanted remember. to hear about who the yeah. star is sleeping with whom. <laughs> yeah, I wanted gossip. trash gossip, not like financial. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so some of the characters um, we meet, we meet Ella right off the bat. Well, we meet Glenn right off the bat. So, um, and he's the head of the Psy Company. So what were your initial impressions of Glenn? I thought he was the typical white businessman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kind of yeah. overweight and bossy and expects things done his way. Mm-hmm. Self-important. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't... Honestly, I don't really feel like I know much about him, even though he is kind of one of the, one of the main point of views. Well, not the main, but he's the alternate point of, point of view. Um, but yeah, I kind of agree. Um, yeah, he just kind of seems. I know he grew up in Des Moines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you really don't find out a lot about his actual personality because like the beginning part, he's visiting his wife. But then other than that, like it's mostly from Joe Chip's point of view. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's true. And he, I mean, Joe has a very high opinion of him. But other than that, like we don't really... Get don't to really know much. Yeah. It seems like he was respected by, yeah. by most of the people that worked for him. Mm-hmm. I was going to say the part where he meets Pat and she does like that little twist where they don't get the contract and he's out walking on the street and he's like, oh, I don't know what happened. I was in this meeting and then all of a sudden oh, he's yeah. walking on the street and he's feeling lost and confused. Mm-hmm. And I felt that was like a the realness of him in that yeah. moment that he has fears about failing and things mm-hmm. like that and then pat switched it back where they did get the contract so and then we get to meet ella pretty quickly which is um his wife and she has been in cold pack for 40 years was it um, how long do they live back i think then? so 40 or 60 years because i think she was like 20 but it sounded like he was like he was older too i think their lives were longer maybe i don't know know his secretary they said something about she'd been doing something for 10 decades oh he was exaggerating (laughs) or if if he really meant that she was 100 years old (laughs) right which i wouldn't be surprised yeah so i i don't know how long they lived Mm mm-hmm I know they have really great teeth in the, in the future of 1992. Yes. Apparently they didn't. <laughs> they don't was, need dentists. Yeah, they don't need dentists. And which it's like, okay, kind of a random world building aspect, but okay. I think yeah. that kind of points at least to that their health, like their, um, their health science and their health care is pretty good. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. even though they're smoking too so I don't know. yeah figure that one out <laughs> <laughs> but what were your thoughts about ella upon meeting her i thought she was pretty interesting um mm-hmm. i don't know it just seemed and i guess my not necessarily my first impressions but um after looking back on it and reading more about her in the in the later part of the book i felt like she was like yeah, just very intelligent and just pretty independent woman. Like she was 
making Ubik and making sure people got it and was fighting Jorah. Um, Jory, yeah. yeah. I don't know. And, I really liked her as a character. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, and then we have Joe Chip, of course. He was the main <laughs> character. And what are your guys' thoughts of Joe? First impressions and then just overall impressions. He's a normal kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I agree. I feel like he, he is a very, very normal character. <laughs> I well, like... He's actually, that was a, he is a normal. He doesn't have any psychic abilities either. So he's right. considered oh, right, a normal. Right. So. A norm, <laughs> yeah. I also like how they introduced him, like, basically in his apartment, mm-hmm. you know, struggling with money issues. And then, like, oh, there's yeah. a girl here. Like, yeah, she's right. coming for business or whatever. But, like, oh, like, give me a second. Let me let me clean up. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't have like, a broom. I've been here for four years, and yeah. I didn't know I didn't have a broom. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, just the, like, scrambling to, like, try and make the presentable and stuff like mm-hmm. it, made, it gave like an actual like scene just a normal scene from a life yeah, yeah. and <laughs> yeah. I don't know it was nice <laughs> I agree I think but otherwise yeah relate to that <laughs> oh, oh yeah someone sure. here let me clean up quick <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well they don't care uh I do <laughs> yeah. right yeah but, I mean, for yeah. the most part, like he seemed like a decent guy, just didn't know how to manage money. I felt like later on when he took over for Glenn, he had moments where he was all like, oh, I'm I'm leader of the company now. Like, listen to me, bitch. Yep. I don't yeah. know. He was sort of like bossy, like ego man. Like, yeah. Like, oh, that doesn't look very good. I'm wondering if it's just because no one has ever really looked to him like that before. Yeah. And so he's like, I'm going to do what I can to like make them see me as like the leader, as, as the, the but he also as the owner. Doubts about his ability to do this because then right. I was like, oh yeah, then I'm going to be make the company go broke and blah blah blah. Yeah. Stuff is going to happen. <laughs> so right. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I guess the, the leader character. The what? He seemed like a pretty likable character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. His fashion choice would not be my choice. Most people in this book's fashion choices would not be my choice. What was he wearing? I can't remember. Initially, his pajamas. <laughs> okay. With, with clown stripes. Clown yes. striped pajamas. Yes. <laughs> oh, boy. You know and- what? I take back what I said about him. I don't like him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I don't know if he left the house like that. No, he changed into something weird. Yeah, you're right. The one that had pedal pushers on? Or was that that? I think that might be one of the other nurses. Or something. I mean, for all of them were dressed very weird. Yeah. Being in 1969, this guy kind of had an idea of where fashion might go. Because, like, (laughs) I mean, the 80s were very they had a lot of weird stuff happening too and like True. lots of bold colors and prints like you could maybe consider like clown stripes like someone wore that in the 80s and early 90s for sure so like yeah I think one of the psychics or whatever had gold lame hip puckers and 
it just in like a crop top and it was a guy and it oh, was yeah. like <laughs> I had to look up what some of those were so I oh, shared yeah, a link yeah. with you guys in the um I think I put the link in there yeah um document that we look at for doing the club um it was basically like a, oh, I gotta find it it's like someone put together yeah so there was fuchsia mm -hmm. pedal pushers and yeah. Pink yak fur slippers, snake skin yeah. sleeveless blouse. I mean, this is beyond the 80s, of course, but. Yeah. Um, it was and, nice because they had like links to what they were. So if you didn't know, like I had to look up what a, a mantilla or I don't know if you say mantilla. Oh, mm -hmm. oh, boy hat, black lace, black lace oh. Bermuda shorts. And it's like, it'd be black lace, like super long, like oh, wedding veil. <laughs> Yeah, it is. And that's what I was imagining that it was this black because I think of like in the olden days when the Spanish women would wear the lacy thing up in their hair. Mm. Yeah, the gold lame trousers, like I didn't realize that was like metallic gold. Shiny. Like shiny. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Oh, that was a real 70s kind of thing. <laughs> Birch bark pantaloons. Oh, I know. <laughs> Just the things worn together. I know. Yeah, yeah it's like everything that just anything clashes. that can clash, right. yeah, goes together. Just whatever clashes, it it, it works. Yeah, yeah. I fit right in. <laughs> Green felt knickers, gray golf socks, badger hide, open midriff blouse, and imitation patent leather pumps. And okay. that's I think what um, Al Hammond was wearing. I totally had. We should totally. Um, go as one of these characters for um, Halloween. Oh my God, <laughs> okay, yes. That would be amazing. Oh my goodness. Be like, what are they trying to be? Like. <laughs> there well. was another thing I didn't know what it was. Oh, the person wearing the golden trousers and a kelp green midi. A midi, yeah. like one of those like sailor shirts. Like think like Sailor Moon with the. Oh. Across oh, the back yeah. that ties in the front. Mm. <laughs> like crazy. Yeah. Propeller beanie. Of the propeller beanie. Yeah, the propeller like who was wearing a propeller beanie hat as an adult? Like, I, oh, right. Um, Stanton, whatever. <laughs> when they went up to the moon. I know, but it's like, why are you wearing that? <laughs> oh, that's what you meant. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> And no one questioned it as being weird. I know. It was like, <laughs> sort of the descriptions when I was reading these, like, it just, it, like, it made me laugh. And then it immediately sort of made me think of, like, Hunger Games, like, the things. Oh. Yeah. Like, very over the top and flashy and, like, anything goes, you know. Yeah. There's no gender lines or anything on clothing. Yep. Well, then too, At the same just... time, not flashy enough because it was, like, <laughs> everyday stuff just sort of, <laughs> sort of like what you'd wear in a dream maybe I don't know mm -hmm. brought back that dream dream state kind of mm -hmm. well then too is it is it is that how everyone dresses or is that just kind of how like size and anti-size dress <laughs> <laughs> that's a good question well, I think the um the tweed toga was worn by the moratorium guy Oh, oh yeah, I, I think you might yeah, be right. So I don't know Everyone. if he's a side True. or not, but that's also most, very strange. One of the most normal outfits was what Pat was wearing. It sounded like a construction sort of outfit. It was like 
come thinking like canvas trousers and shirts and boots yeah Yeah. and a utility belt because she was a like phone line tech or something yeah so it kind of sounded like she was dressed the part but yeah Very weird. And they're like, what are you wearing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so yeah, I wanted to bring up uh, one of the things that someone was wearing. Um, okay, wait, before we do that, okay, I just have to talk about this website that I shared with you guys, the okay. outfits. So, oh, yep, I see that. Okay, when we, when we were trying, when I was trying to think of my random question. Yes. <laughs> suggested this website that generates random questions there's a picture of a duck and we're like why a duck that's really random like well it is a random question (laughs) so this page with the outfits has ducks on the top yeah no reason for no reason yeah it even just says it says um a shrine to my intellectual narcissism and also ducks (laughs) it's like the most random and, and, and like, they're not real ducks they're rubber ducky ducks they're yellow ducks <laughs> well, that one is yellow ducks okay yeah so like so it was just like no that know. was really weird <laughs> <laughs> like why but, right. um, <laughs> yep, I see so, you. go ahead oh, what, what? i was gonna say you also had something about um oh that guy's bertrand yeah so i was gonna talk about that um, yeah, so one of the outfits that someone was wearing um, actually sounded sort of normal, like some kind of pants with a gray sweatshirt, but on the sweatshirt was a portrait of Bertrand Russell. And so I didn't think anything of it because I didn't know who it was. And but then when I was looking at this earlier today, like the list of people wearing, I'm like, well, I'm just going to Google who that is because <laughs> maybe it's someone famous in real life and I should know who it is. And so I'm like Googling Bertrand Russell and Carl's sitting next to me and he's like, what? Why are you looking up Bertrand Russell? <laughs> You're looking up Bertrand Russell? He's all excited. And I am. Do you know who that is? <laughs> you know him? <laughs> yeah. And so like him and one of his friends back in college used to be really into philosophy and they wanted to like learn all they could about philosophy just on their own for fun. So they like I don't know, went to the bookstore and bought like a million books on like, like the older philosophers and then kind of worked their way up through like more sort of like modern ones and modern ideas mm-hmm. just for funsies. And so this guy was one of their favorite ones. And basically he is kind of like the founder of like sort of the philosophy of like logic and math and kind of like sort of at the turning point of where um just some different philosophies about things in the world that are less Mm -hmm. like not like magic based but like sort of where people started to realize that there's like logical explanations for things that happen i guess so um so let me see here he is generally credited with being one of the leaders of analytic philosophy um, he was particularly prolific in the fields of metaphysics, logic, and the philosophy of mathematics, the philosophy of language, ethics, and epistemology. So and what is epistemology? Um, basically, it's, oh God, I, the study of like knowledge and let me, uh, Google it again. <laughs> I'm going to, I let, 
I, I like, I just want to make, it's, it's the theory of knowledge with regard to its methods, validity, and scope. So it's the investigation of what distinguishes justified belief from opinion. So. Oh, okay. And so like, I mean, I just kind of fell down like a rabbit hole of like an hour and awesome. had like, yeah, Carl helping out <laughs> trying to oh. explain everything. But basically he demystified what philosophy and psychology was before him with like by connecting the logic of physical and mental worlds to produce outcomes. So like it's more to, to chew on for sure. Yeah, mm. like it's like just kind of the callback to the perceived events, like you know, just the idea of like, is Jory making the world? Is everyone making the world? Right, right. What one person sees is what the other person sees, like it's half-life the same, right? Like what we're talking about, like it's a half-life. Mm -hmm. To this person it is to that person and mm -hmm. wow like, yeah. yeah crazy yeah <laughs> so where, where again in the book is bertrand mentioned in, in someone's clothes yeah it's when they're it's when all the um anti-size are meeting up okay somewhere around 54 I think. okay and there they're starting to just by chance like it was just like how someone was dressed and yep wow like that's really cool of him to to have that as an easter egg and yeah, yeah. and like he's basically saying like if you care enough you'll look him up and <laughs> yeah and it might like yeah. help you actually understand everything about about this book <laughs> that is really cool so we meet pat and so basically pat is introduced um in the he's introduced she's introduced to joe as an anti-psi person who has the ability to kind of back up or redo time and like her psychic abilities aren't really able to be picked up on measured uh, measured and measured joe and or picked up on yeah because yeah. can't don't pick up that she can change time or change. right change. right which makes her kind of sneaky it's like yeah mm -hmm. and joe is mm -hmm. a tester a, a a side tester so that's why this gg ashwood has brought pat to his conapt his his apartment um to see if he can test her ability so so pat what are your impressions of pat um first impressions and overall impressions and what are your impressions of her ability? I guess at first, I kind of liked her. I thought she was like, just, you know, trying to kind of just be like, look, don't underestimate me. But as the book went on, I hated her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's kind of an asshole. Just totally. kind of a sneaky bitch. Yeah. Like, really. Exactly. <laughs> like, used her powers for evil instead of good for the most part, it seemed like. Like, to her own wishes. Like, mm -hmm. selfish, I guess, in a way. I don't know like it just mm -hmm. she just put out a bad vibe like once they were all together like she just didn't care it just seemed I don't know yeah there was something off about her yeah yeah when when we first meet her too and I think Gigi Ashwood maybe leaves and I'm, I'm not sure but in yeah. the apartment she basically like just strips naked too yep. in his apartment <laughs> like right in front of him and she's like oh I can make you forget it and I know she's basically 
No, she said he was mad because the first time she didn't take off her clothes in front of him. And then that's how she proved her ability because she had a note in her shirt of his assessment of him. She was manipulative even in the beginning. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. But. Yeah. So I guess my, my first impression too was that she was kind of just wacky like yes she she seemed like unorthodox and like really out there but I too thought she was kind of cool and like I thought her precog or her psychic ability was pretty neat I didn't really suspect anything even though Joe does have a uh, he has on his note that she's not to be trusted um right. and we can talk about that too later but um but I didn't really I didn't really understand necessarily why he would say that, except that, you know, she, her ability couldn't be, be measured. Well, um, I think he but, put it on there because she could be. I'm just saying, like, I didn't know at the time. I, right. you know, but, and then like my overall impression of her is, I, you know, I still am very confused because I guess she was working with the main antagonist, Hollis. Is that what you guys concluded? Her parents do, I think. Her parents right. do. Her parents okay. do, and apparently her parents are unaware of her ability, which seemed un right. unbelievable. But like when she when he's talking to Jory, like she or like before that or something, she mentions either she mentions or Jory mentions something about they were part or maybe Rune said someone mentioned something about her being a part of like Apollos' group are like trying to like um, basically mess up their mission. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. It was it was towards the end, like close to like when she died, I think. <laughs> In the half-life world. Yeah. So do you think she was like outright an antagonist in this whole thing? Like, do you think she or do you think she was just kind of in her own, like she was just she wasn't working for Hollis then. She just kind of was messing with people by herself. Maybe she was, and maybe she thought she still was, because it seemed like um, was a jury at the end that or Rensiter that said that she thought she was controlling the time right. change. Mm -hmm. She actually mm -hmm. wasn't, but she yeah. she assumed that she was, and thought she was in more in control than she was. So she may not have known that they were dead. In the half life. Okay. Whoa. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I don't know if she did or not. I don't know either. <laughs> I, I just don't remember. I just know she was very manipulative. And I'm trying to think of where I had, to, I had questions about her abilities because, you know, at one point it was, oh, it was a month after this happened and I went back and changed it because all I had to do was think about it. You know, and then the statue was fine or whatever, you know, and then there was someplace else it was like, oh, it was a week later and I, you know, did this. And then, and when they were after the blast, she's like, too much time has passed. Yeah. yeah. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. No, you wanted, at that point, we thought you wanted Glenn Runciter death, that, because you could have changed it. Right. And she's like, yeah, someone was like, how did you not think about it? And she's like, well, you guys didn't think about it either until it was too late <laughs> well, yeah, it's and like, it's like well you're the one who lives with this ability and it's part <laughs> yeah. of your being so yeah that just I mean to me it was like 
I didn't outright think that she did it maliciously, but I felt like she was just being selfish and thoughtless. So I didn't really, at that point, I didn't think that she was necessarily like working against them, like deliberately. (laughs) But I did find a page that made me think, this is why I I thought that she was, um, that she was working against with, or with Hollis. Um, And it says, and, and it's it's ambiguous, even so. But on page 178, um, Joe is saying, um, Gigi Ashwood scouted you and brought you in. Was he working for Hollis? Is that it? Is that what really happened to us? Not the bomb blast, but you? Pat smiled, and the lobby of the hotel blew up in Joe Chip's face. Oh, yeah. But it didn't literally blow up. I didn't. No, because then he comes back, too, and it's like it's still there. Oh. Yeah, I that was, it was weird. More... I was like, "What?" So why does she was... smile, and why does it figuratively blow up? And yeah. that made his whole view on on her and everything else different. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, that's <laughs> I, what I took either. it as that it just like threw him for a loop. So it's yeah, and... that it... mind blown. Yes, exactly. <laughs> And then it seems, and then like the next chapter, it talks, that's kind of like, this is in chapter 12. So I, we're jumping everywhere, but this that's whole okay. book is just like a mind F. <laughs> so yeah. And then like the next chapter after the hotel lobby, quote unquote, blows up, um, it, that's kind of where Joe Chip's half-life decline begins. So this yeah. is where it's like, it blows up and then bam, he's cold and he's, he's dying so right like well i thought it was interesting she laughed at him yeah, <laughs> yeah that's when she stare. turned like really mean and yeah. was like oh and, yeah exactly she was like and she wasn't necessarily like yeah she was just very mocking and like oh well you have nine steps left or is it five steps and you know <laughs> when he's yeah climb up the stairs and like yeah it's yeah. just really weird so I thought it was interesting that like the first half of the book after the explosion on Luna when they think it's actually Glenn that's died because so they're on they're on the moon and the guy's actually a robot and he blows up <laughs> the AI bomb and basically you know they get out and everything and then but they think that Glenn's dead Mm -hmm. and they put him in the cold pack on the ship and then like basically the first half of the book or I don't even know if everyone else they don't realize like Chip Joe Chip's the first one to realize at whatever point like from the message from Glenn that Glenn's actually alive and they're the ones that are dead but you're really long to believe that Glenn is the one that is dead and they're alive for quite a while. And that's sort of one of the cool, like, flip plot twists when you're like, oh. Mm-hmm. But then it's weird because it's like, how did he meet with the, like, the moratorium guy? And how did, like... Oh, exactly. I don't know. Maybe I just, like, randomly mind skipped around too much. No. Oh. <laughs> just kept talking. <laughs> like, how did... Right? Like, how did he talk talk to the moratorium guy and like 
like was he really dead or is it because he was the moratorium guy but then they like flew back to new york and like they were all there and it's like just part of the dream state of half-life and then just other people that they interacted with like like the lawyer like oh you got to pay the helicopter on the roof or whatever right yeah (laughs) but and i I was thinking about that and then it's like yeah like glenn's glenn's dead to them like like they basically get the message sort of like go to des moines to like his funeral (laughs) yeah and why is there a funeral within half-life exactly well because if you would dream i mean because you're going to take things that you know from your own life and that's how you know when you dream if you dream you're making sense of it you know you have to make sense of it and you would have a funeral and even though it was back in 1939 but that's true so i mean i kind of once I knew they were in half-life and that this was happening in half-life, then it's like, oh, anything can happen. I could free my mind just being like, okay. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So I can't remember when everyone started dying, like Wendy did, first. And then like when, okay, so Wendy died first, but at that point, like they still didn't know they were in half-life. No, they didn't. Mm-hmm. And when he flew back to New York and they saw the writing on the bathroom wall. Yeah. So then he like had the first idea and then he saw like writing on the bathroom wall in the lady ladies' bathroom on the TV ad. That was another like thing within the blue. Yeah. But he was the only one there to see that. Like everyone else had already gone to Des Moines. Right. Oh yeah. So like, I don't even remember. Did he spill the beans in Des Moines, or did he just say we need to stick together? Like, I don't even. I'm like. I think he told them (laughs) in Des Moines. He told one of. I think he told them all because he said they all need to stick together. And I think he told them that's when he told them that they were all dead and they were in half life. Okay. I don't remember. Yeah, but that. I mean, that would make sense. I know. Well, there was one person with him that before they like kind of figured it out too right. i think it was al well he's um, the one that died in the bathroom yeah because he was the one that originally saw the message in the bathroom and yep. then brought cho to like look but yeah i once they got to des moines the, that's when you know for for them to like yeah when you're separate you're gonna die fast or whatever they they kind of were all fine and until he showed up and then they started dying really fast (laughs) that is true anyone around him seemed to kind of (laughs) die wendy al yeah Yeah. what did you guys think about wendy i know we we mentioned her a couple times but i thought it was kind of weird that she was supposed to be the love interest of joe like yeah to me it just felt kind of thrown in even though it was mentioned like four times, I guess. But yeah, it was weird. a couple times where it mentioned like, oh, I, I felt like I, I wanted her to be my wife on page 61. And and then he says, I value her. Why is that? I barely know her. And it's like, yeah, you're right. Like, we barely know her. We don't care. Like, <laughs> yeah. like well, there was a point oh, earlier too where she said something like, 
like, oh, I guess I'm going to be Chip or Joe's wife someday. Yeah. I don't know. It to me, it was like, like, it's like, said it like that. It was like, okay. <laughs> it didn't yeah. work as like a plot device. No, and it just no. felt, it just felt random. And I'm not sure if it was supposed to be like something to do with, because at, at one point too, um, um, Pat put a wedding ring on, like they were married <laughs> at one point. <laughs> Like she yeah. was, she like backed up time and was married to Joe. And I think then she like undid it or something. Mm-hmm. So. But she kept the so, ring. Yeah. Okay. The ring. Yeah. She, so she and, could go back in time longer than, oh, we just had a bomb explosion. I can't go back. <laughs> that was long ago. So <laughs> I have two I thoughts about meant, that though. Oh, what's sorry. that? Yeah. About Wendy in general. Like mm-hmm. either one, Pat did something to mess up, like, like they might have originally had feelings for each other, but Pat did something and it messed up, but there was still residual like interest, something there, mm-hmm. but they weren't sure what it was because it had been messed with. Mm-hmm. Or maybe that's just how relationships were then. That was my second thought. <laughs> maybe that's just how it was. Like, I don't know. We don't know how their like culture really is at that point, other than that they dress really weird. <laughs> and they have a mistress that pays for their yeah store and stuff. <laughs> Just to kind of sidetrack off of Wendy, but mom, you mentioned something about um not about it being like too far back or whatever for mm-hmm. um Pat to to do. The way that I interpreted that was that like between a, an event, like there's a time span between the event and when she's able to like. I don't know, like acts. Yeah, maybe that, but that doesn't make sense either. No, because I think she had mentioned once it was a month, once it was a week. And we don't yeah. know, know how long they were married before she went back and changed that. All <laughs> she had true. to do was go back in her I mind. was trying to think of like, like between like the, the time the event happens and the point that she decides yeah. she wants to go back beyond that, maybe there's like a gap point. Like say- well, Say 10 minutes, like within 10 minutes, she needs to decide. No, but she didn't. But yeah, I'm just trying to figure it out. I thought maybe (laughs) she couldn't go back because she died. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Right. That that made sense to me. It's like, oh, you know, once you know they're in half. Oh, yeah, because then she said something about like she couldn't go back, like her powers didn't work. Right. And then she didn't tell anyone. Mm hmm. I just remembered that now. And yeah. people were like, why didn't you tell anyone? And I don't remember what she said. Like, would you tell someone if your power was That's true. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> to get Glenn into a cold pack. And I don't know. It, it's kind of funny just trying to think of what the. Trying to stay alive. <laughs> right. Yeah. Trying to, or trying to figure out who killed Glenn, maybe? I, or trying to figure out why things were decaying. That's yeah. Him, you know, that was. Yeah, that's right. Why things were decaying. That's right. And that took up a lot of the book. Um, so yeah, you, that was kind of cool and weird. Yeah. That was yeah. one of the intriguing things that it was that caught me like, oh, like weird. All of a sudden now, like the cigarettes are dried out, like they're all stale. And right. A new ship has a two-year-old phone book in it. Yeah, that was that's weird. not even possible. And then it's like. Oh, the the scummy coffee with 
<laughs> right. It was like, and then it's like, oh, of, a forty-year-old tape recorder that that was bought new, bought new, <laughs> but it was like you wow. like forty years old, and then yeah, like the the Ubik itself, like digressing from like a spray can to a to a salve to like a elixir and like the cars going like changing years like when he went to fly to Des Moines and then it's like oh this 19 I don't know 34 car now turn around oh it's 1929 and the Ubik inside has changed and yeah the interesting thing too is that just talking about the airport there he knew what the Jenny was he knew what model it was and he knew yeah the new thing about the olden times that he had gone back to that he really had no reason to know or like yeah like the trolley dodgers is like the name of the brooklyn dodgers (laughs) yeah things like he's like why do i know about that (laughs) yeah i don't know (laughs) yeah it was cool it was like we were brought into this book thinking that it was going to be about this thing but then it shifted. It be about and then <laughs> it shifted and we're like, oh, well, now we're trying to figure out this mystery. So yeah, I like, really, are, I liked yeah. that aspect too. It was really cool. Yeah. There's so was, much happening in this book. So many different things. And it's only like 250 pages long right. or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't know how he tied it all together. So like nicely like that in a short little. Yes. It's, no, just so weird. Just thinking too, like. When him and Al went to the that grocery store and like they oh. found the recorder, but they were like looking at all the different cigarettes and they were all like old. And then like that one that one carton had the note from Runciter in there. And then there's the lady checking out and mad because like her plant was dead and she was bringing it back. And then like um, when the guy they took the tape recorder to, like his he woke up this morning and his parrot was dead. And it was yeah. like, like how is this connected? Like <laughs> mm-hmm. the decay. Decay. <laughs> so yeah we, we kind of talked about what we kind of think that like yeah like who was actually dead <laughs> yeah <laughs> i wanted to get to that point and from what was point dead, yeah really was dead. that the case <laughs> were they all dead including runciter maybe as far back as before the book even started um yeah these are just kind of and then was the blast on luna what triggered it all or you know but then what about Mr. Runciter at the end of the book or did he just take longer to get into that state or were they already in that state earlier these are these are all good questions uh, Miranda yeah. put together <laughs> yeah it's like Runciter really alive the whole time or was he also in half-life just communicating with them thinking he was alive right because like at the end it shows Joe Chip's um, face on the coin that Runesitter pulls out of yes. his pocket. Right. Yes. And it's like, right. okay, well then are you dead then? Because this is what was happening to them. Right. right. That's what I thought of right away. Was right. That, well, that means he's dead. Okay, let me go back to the beginning of the book and figure out and it's like, no, it didn't come through. <laughs> right. Yeah, because um, yeah, when 
because Joe, when they're dead or in Half-Life or whatever, Joe looks at a coin and it has Glenn Runcer's face on it, which, <laughs> which was is... very bizarre at that for them. It, I mean, his face shouldn't have been on a coin, basically. No, I think it was supposed to be like Walt Disney. Or... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or yeah. Castro. <laughs> like, oh, Disney or Fidel Castro. It actually like wouldn't be surprising to me if they decided to put Disney on a coin nowadays, you know? but it is the future Um. (laughs) honestly i don't even know what to think about who might be dead and who who might not be because it to me i i feel like it should be the human the humanoid bomb blast stanton mick you know he blew everything up in on the moon i feel like that that was the initiation but at the same time yeah that's where everything gets confusing because we don't know yeah i don't know maybe it was pat maybe pat like technically like whatever she did actually like killed them like her fiddling with time so much just so they were all just dead but then just in different states of dead i don't know Hmm. well okay so if if they all died on the moon and it was really a trick by Hollis to get them up there to kill them. He would not put them in half-life, I wouldn't think, because that's their competition. So why would he do that? He'd just want them to be gone. So they oh, yeah. couldn't communicate any of their trade secrets on how to stop him with anyone. So I thought, okay, so they, if they all died up in there, then no one would be in Half-Life because the competition wouldn't put them in Half-Life. And then Runciter, one of his main things was never, rules was never ever leave the earth. Mm-hmm. So why did he go mm-hmm. to the moon? And why did he go with them? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that you seemed know? like a weird thing too. Cause they were like, why, why is he here? Like, yeah, and he's like, and then they're like, well, aren't you leaving? yeah so and if it was just him how did he get like all like the other like 10 or 11 of them all in the cold storage like do you drag right them? i mean maybe, right, unless he had help yeah with, from who yeah. exactly exactly weird so that makes me wonder were they possibly dead before they went to the moon did something happen maybe in the office I'm also wondering if this this thought crossed my mind but I don't know how it really pans out but I was wondering if maybe Ella was actually working for Hollis and I don't think so yeah because I just I don't have any any like formative proof that would point her because I can't remember anything in a book (laughs) I can't like (laughs) unless I'm writing it down I just can't remember but just the fact that she was talking to Runciter, and I, I can't remember what what advice she had given him. Um, I think she did. Did she give him the advice to gather up the the anti psychics? No. Who, who that did? was for the contract from that one lady that came in. What was the advice that she gave him? She said, "Run more TV ads." More, run more ads. Okay. Yeah, like run them every hour instead of. Okay, that's right. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So I didn't think, you know, and then my thought was, 
maybe Ella's really alive, and, you know, but then no, because she's plays on in the book. So it's like, okay, so is this just Philip K. Dick's dream? And they're all dead. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Actually, there's I, another. Oh. oh, go for it. I just had one more thought. So when, when all of the precogs or whatever were getting together to go to the moon, um, a few different ones of them had had like dreams before or visions about like Pat and Mike, Matt and Bill. Yes. Oh, yes. Them and like telling them they were coming to get them or whatever. And then Jory right. later that that was him. Right. He's like, sometimes oh. I present myself as Matt or Bill. And I was like, what? So, yeah. yeah. So, were they like, because they are precogs or psychics or whatever, like, could they actually like see that coming as part of, of their gift? Or were they already in half life and he was like, messing with them already because you can dream in half-life right and like and he was like kind of invading other people's thoughts and bodies right yeah that's also kind of why i was wondering if maybe they were already dead like before the book even started because i'm just like well maybe there's so many things yeah just seemed i don't know Right. Like they could they were kind of weird from the beginning. Yeah, in a half life already, and yeah. they have different lives there, and they meet. Yeah, it's weird. Know. Now that we're talking about it, so like his door in the the present day before they die, um, you know everything's coin operated and whatever. Mm-hmm. His front door. So when he goes back to his apartment and it's like time has gone time is like moving backward and he goes back and I think like he said like his fridge is like one of the old timey ones with like the fan on top and Mm -hmm. it seemed like nothing there was coin operated anymore but the front door still was except he got in without putting money in but he had to put money in to get out yeah I thought that was weird yeah and it was like of all the things that would change like but then again, if you're in half-life and your perception, like maybe that's something that you remember was like that. So you put that there, but then, or, or, or they, the whole putting coins and things is ridiculous. Maybe that's a half-life. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> that would be a personification of paying your rent, your electrical bill, your yeah. <laughs> whatever. What did you guys take away from the book? <laughs> it was it was an interesting uh, made me think a lot yeah. about death, dreaming, life, you know, and how much how much of reality is real at some at some points, and is it just my perception of what's real? Does that make it real? That's kind of that Bertrand's Russell Bertrand's yeah. kind of thing, you know. Uh, it just made me do a lot of thinking. Yeah, I do have one thing to say. I am here live now, and I'm not a cat. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that literally made me cry. Like that was so funny. Like it just was at the right time in my life, and mm-hmm. that was just the funniest. Amazing. Thing ever. Yeah. <laughs>
But I'll agree with what mom oh, said. It, it kind of makes you think about what the perception is your reality or whatever. Like, what is reality? I don't know. But for some reason, this book didn't make me get all ex existential and think about <laughs> those types of things, even though it was all about those things. I feel like, to me, I just was like too confused as to what was actually happening that I just, I don't know. I just can't formulate an opinion of I just it's just like all still flowing around <laughs> like like a fog in a globe it's just like I just don't even know but I appreciated I, I don't know I appreciate the style I appreciate stories that do that though that just kind of leave you wondering and you just kind of get different people with different takeaways and like it's not just like you know you read a book and you everyone kind of has the same opinion like I feel like this is definitely one where it comes away with a lot of different loose ends so to speak that you can take anywhere which I don't know if that's really a takeaway but I just really <laughs> enjoyed that I guess um but yeah I didn't take away any like moral or like yeah <laughs> <laughs> nothing like like that I guess so but Keep your friends close or else they'll die. Mm -hmm. They're probably already dead anyway. So <laughs> we don't know. Maybe. Maybe they're just part of your dream. Maybe they're I'm just sorry, this part is of your dream, perception. So. <laughs> so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> uh, but yes, it does. <laughs> so we can go into ratings now. Um, we can start with Angie. Um, we have couple questions here and um, was this book in your genre wheelhouse I'm adding this because we've kind of we've almost had like a year now to kind of think about what we want why like what we're reading what we're coming together to read and it, it kind of seems like we've maybe unofficially decided that it, we just want to talk about books that we want to read or we want to read books that we want to talk about <laughs> so um so I'm adding this question, um, was this book in your genre wheelhouse um, in addition to the the other scales that we have? Yeah, and I think I think that's a cool question to ask because yeah, like we talked about, like we all, we've all found that there are books that we all enjoy, but we all may gravitate towards different genres mm -hmm. um, generally. And so, yeah, whether or not we pick one that's in our wheelhouse, it may or may not be in someone else's, but they might enjoy it. So that's right. kind of the thought, yeah, where we were going with that. But was this book in my genre wheelhouse? I would say yes. Yeah, I've I found that I, there's a lot of genres I enjoy, but one is definitely sort of like science fiction, maybe with some time travel, maybe with some like medical mystery. Um, and so, yeah, this was, you know, a little weird, little out there, little, yeah, kind of what if kind of stuff. So yeah, cool. I picked it and then yeah, definitely in my wheelhouse and I wasn't disappointed. Nice. Um, on a personal taste scale, yeah, I would give this one a four or five. Like it just, it it was a style, it was written in a style that I like to read. Um, I like the genre. Um, yeah, it told a, a story that didn't drag on and didn't linger and had sort of different things going on and yeah I little mystery I liked it a lot um 
scale and Moffrey scale? Did it challenge me, change me, or open me up to new ways of thinking? Yeah, I guess I would give it, I mean, maybe a three or four. It wasn't like life-changing. Um, it challenged me in the way that they use different like terms in a different world building than I had like really come across before. So that was just sort of like a little, like a learning learning challenge slash opportunity, like getting into the book. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I guess like it did open me up to thinking a little bit like, right? Like what if, what if we are like living in a matrix? Like what if we're all like alive or all in half-life or? It also made you look into who Bertrand Russell was or Russell. Bertrand. Yeah, well, actually that's true. So now I've upped it to about a four or five. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it did take me down an interesting philosophy wormhole that I am going to explore further for sure. Awesome. I'm definitely thinking about reading um, at least one of his books. So cool. yeah. Maybe a five. I've changed it from a three to a five. <laughs> <laughs> this really is why cool. we talk about it. Right, right. How about you, Miranda? Um, so this book actually wasn't really in my genre wheelhouse. I don't really read a lot of sci-fi. Um, everyone, you know, I honestly can't remember the last time I actually read a sci-fi book. Um, but I really enjoyed it. Um, personal skill, like the way it was written and like how much different stuff was going on. And like, there was kind of like a mystery to it. It was like mystery sci-fi. Like, yeah, I would give it probably a four. Like I really enjoyed reading it and it definitely did make me think about things and like a lot of questions of like, what is reality? And like, just all the questions that we just talked about, like that to me makes it probably a four on the Gallimaufry scale as well. Awesome. Cool. And I would definitely recommend this book. Oh yeah. Angie, would you recommend the book? <laughs> oh yeah. Yep. Yep. I sure would. <laughs> awesome. Um, what about you, Mel? Yeah, um, so this book is not in my genre wheelhouse. Um, again, I yeah, like Miranda, I don't really know the last time I, I actually read a sci-fi book, maybe probably high school maybe, um, with the Martian Chronicles. I don't know, it's been a while, so. Wow. Or um, I guess Frankenstein, but that's still high school, so. <laughs> um, personal scale, um, I actually probably would give this probably like, a four. I really enjoyed reading it as far as trying to figure out the plot and what was going on. And it also challenged me um, trying to kind of figure out the world building and learning new terms, like Angie said. And yeah, and then I would, I would recommend the book and mom. Um, yeah, I would on a personal scale, I would say about a four. Um, it is one of the genres that I do like to read. Um, Sci-fi, time travel, weirdness kind of things. I shouldn't say weird, but just maybe different things. Um, What's wrong a, with weird? <laughs> well, <laughs> true. Um, on a Gallimaufry scale, I would say about a four because it did make me think. It made me want to get to the end of the book. And then it made me want to go back to the beginning of the book to yes. see what I had missed to figure out. Oh, yeah. That's a very good point. Yeah. Book. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is probably the only book this is probably the only book that I've actually like gone back and like skimmed like just to to try and figure out more like to try and right. see if there's another layer to the onion yeah so that's a good point did I miss something and, and, right. and it's like oh is there a clue hidden here and mm -hmm. I really like the style I think it's well written 
he doesn't, it isn't just a rambling kind of book. There's a lot of things going on, but they're all connected. So yeah, and it did make me think about things. So, mm -hmm. and would I recommend this book? Yes, I would. Mm -hmm. And I'll probably will read some more of his books because they're interesting. Mm -hmm. And I like the way, I'd like to see if he continues to write in the same way through all his books. Ooh, that's a good point. Yeah, I yeah. definitely am interested in reading some more of his work too, cool. for that reason. That's awesome. Yeah, I appreciate that he doesn't really, in this book anyway, he doesn't outright like explain things to you. I I do appreciate that. Like yeah. I don't want it in every book that I read, but <laughs> I, I like it when I come across it once in a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so our next book is a book chosen by Miranda. Um, this is going to be called, this is called The Way of Kings by Brandon Sanderson. Sorry, I should have, should have let you sail. But, All good. Yep. So. so it's the first book in the Stormlight Archive. Yeah, I liked the style and yeah, it was just, it was good. Um, I wanted to get to the end and kind of figure out what was going on. So it was good. Um, Gallimaufry scale. This was probably like a four as well uh, because it did challenge me, um, challenged me. And the back of the book, I long for the days before the last desolation, the age before the heralds abandoned us and the king radiant turned against us. Um, a time when there was still magic in the world and honor in the hearts of men. The world becomes ours and yet we lost it. Victory proved to be the greatest test of all, or was that victory illu illusory? illusory? Did our enemies come to recognize that the harder they fought, the fiercer our resistance? Fire and hammer will forge steel into a weapon, but if you abandon your sword, it eventually rusts away. There are four whom we watch. The first is a surgeon, forced to forsake healing to fight in the most brutal war of our time. The second is the assassin, a murderer who weeps as he kills. The third is the liar, a young woman who wears a scholar's mantle over the heart of a thief. The last is the prince, a warlord whose eyes have been opened to the most ancient past as his thirst for battle wanes. The world can change. Surge binding and shard wielding can return. The magics of ancient days become ours again. These four people are key. One of them may redeem us and one of them will destroy us. And we're looking to talk about this probably either in April or May, probably May because it is a pretty long book. Um, <laughs> Very long I was book. a little weary about <laughs> picking such a long book, but I've been recommended this book by multiple people multiple times throughout the years. So like, you know what? We'll give it a try. That's awesome. Yeah. Ooh, and ironically, yeah, I actually haven't read a fantasy book until uh, since the Winter Night trilogy. I like any reason, excuse to read another fantasy. <laughs> I'm excited. I picked mine up from the library, so awesome. Hopefully, I will. They will let me renew it enough times. Yeah. <laughs> so nice. no one else try and get the book because yeah. I have it. <laughs> I'll request it, and no, yeah, and then I'll give it to you. I'll I'll be like your, yeah, your my nemesis. <laughs> no, I was gonna give it to you to oh. prevent other people to from getting it. <laughs> I have my copy over there. there. <laughs> so those of us, those of you who are listening, we do encourage you to, um, well, to read, 
read The Way of Kings with us and to use your library or buy from a local bookstore if you can. So, and I've, I've scrapped the idea of a book giveaway, at least for now. Um, I just feel like it was, yeah, a bit ambitious for <laughs> where we're at. But um, I think one thing that would be kind of fun is if you do read The Way of Kings with us, or maybe if you've already read it, to let us know your thoughts on the book. And you can share, you can share like the reason why you liked it or disliked it, a memorable scene and why, or just anything about the book that you feel like sharing with us. Um, and you can do that by messaging us here on an Anchor FM, write, on, write to us on Instagram or Twitter or email thegalmoffergals at gmail.com. And just let us know that it's okay for us to feature your book, book experience and then stay tuned for the next episode. And yeah, so we would like to feature your thoughts on the book in our next episode. So I think that's everything. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed. And yeah, as always, happy reading from us, the Gallimalfrey Gals. Bye. 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 <laughs> Bye.